topic of today is worry. In week one of this collection of talks, we talked about hacks to happiness and how we can take all of these things from science and research and apply them to our lives and they're helpful. But in doing all of those, we better also take Paul's prescription from Philippians 4 verse 4, which says, Rejoice in the Lord I'll say it again. Rejoice. And then last week, we talked about the suicide deception. We talked about anxiety and depression, and we talked about how fear causes anxiety. Depression, it detaches us from people. But most of all, we learned that we got to get up in order to discover our purpose. We've got to get up to discover our purpose. And Jesus, he speaks directly into this world of worry in Matthew 6, verse 25, when he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. That's cool, Jesus. I don't know if you were just here a second ago. Jesus' advice on worry, don't do it. Jesus, I'm a pastor. You know, I get you. I've read all that stuff, but, but what about that? Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> it's like mom and dad saying, just do as I say, with no explanation, right? And against the mountain of worries, the mountain of circumstances that we encounter every day when Jesus makes this statement, we kind of brush it off. We can tend to ignore it and go, okay, Jesus. And yet we still worry. And so the title of my message this morning is this, to worry or not to worry. And everyone said, that is the question. <laughs> you know, I've um, been talking to some pastors recently, and I, I recently discovered that, that actually they don't use real stories in their sermons. I had no idea. I seem to attack my family and anyone silly enough to make a mistake in front of me every opportunity I get. It's the fuel for my messages, right? But I'm outnumbered today. There are way too many of my family here. And I truly believe that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And this better be the safest place that you can journey through your struggles. But make no mistake, if you make a mistake in front of me, it'll be in my message. But I'm going to take a leaf out of these scaredy-cat preachers who tell these fake stories, but as if they're true. And you know how you got to tell them in the first person? And I met this lady this week. <laughs> and she'd bought a plant. And she was telling me about how green and beautiful it was and how she'd put it in the windowsill of her bedroom. And she woke up one morning, and it was the morning that I'd met her down having a coffee at Matea. See, the details, the facts, they make it truer. <laughs> And she said this thought just popped into my head. This plant's going to die. 
this plant isn't going to make it. And even though it was green on the outside, standing well and been purchased from Bunnings in the last couple of days, (laughs) the thought, she began to worry about it and obsess over it and dwell over it. So much so she went to her husband and said, I think this plant's going to die. I think I've wasted my time. I think I've wasted my money on this plant. And sure enough, a few days later, the leaves, they began to go yellow. A few days after that, some leaves, they fell off until eventually it died. It withered away and it was done. Now, she was a godly woman. And so she went to her prayer closet and she asked God, why? Why me? And she felt as if God had said to her that she'd killed the plant with her thoughts. And so she went to her husband and she said, I think I killed that plant with my thoughts. To which he looked at her really strangely and kind of scared and said, I hope you're thinking good thoughts about me. I appreciate it. Now, I don't think you can kill a plant with your thoughts. But I do think about worry like this. It's like a rocking chair. You can do a lot. You can move around. But it doesn't get you anywhere. Right? And we know that worry, it's, it's kind of useless. It doesn't add much to our life. And yet we still do it. A lot. And it seems like all of this understanding and all of this knowledge isn't enough to stop us worrying. We worry about our work, our family, our friends, the test, politics, the results, global warming, the next pandemic if I've got enough toilet paper in my toilet. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And you see, the thing is, our mind, it's a tool. And the good thing about tools are that tools are neutral, right? It's all about what you're using them for. With a hammer, you can build a house or tear it down. With a brick, you can smash your window. Or build a church. And your mind, it's, it's kind of neutral as well. With it, you can have your greatest achievement. Or your greatest disappointment. It can help solve problems or it can become your biggest problem. And into this world of worry, Jesus speaks. Therefore, I tell you. Do not worry about your life. And yet we're still sitting here worrying if Jesus is worried enough about us. That doesn't really help me, Jesus. But I think if we sit with it for a moment, if we actually begin to see it from his perspective, we discover that his perspective is so much more powerful So empowering. You see, in this world, we're told that we're a victim to our circumstances. 
And yes, there is so much genuinely out of our control. And when it comes to mental health, we're kind of told that's out of our control as well. But Jesus' perspective here, it's an empowering perspective. We can walk around and say anxiety and depression, that's just who I am. It's in my makeup. It's part of me. And I'm not trying to minimize that at all. You can listen to the last couple of weeks of messages. I'm just trying to tell you it's not your identity. But when Jesus is speaking, you better believe he's speaking directly to your identity. He's telling you, you are strong. You are powerful. You are more than a conqueror. Why would Jesus give us a command that we can't do? He's not painting some picture of weak people. Now, I probably need to remind you that we're talking about worry this morning and not anxiety. I did a little bit of English research this week after not being able to spell psychology last week. And I discovered, I mean, first I had to research what a noun and a verb was, but I discovered that anxiety is only a noun. It's only an experience. Whereas worry is both a noun and a verb. It's also something that we do. Jesus is saying, don't allow yourself to worry. Not, don't ever experience it. Worry literally means to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles, to give way to anxiety or unease. Jesus doesn't say, don't feel. He's saying, don't allow yourself to dwell on. And so there's this difference between worry and anxiety, right? There's also a difference between worry and concern. See, in church, we've got a tendency to, to go hard in the other direction. Okay, Jesus, I'm not going to worry at all. I don't care what I wear, what I look like, how I smell. It doesn't matter to me. I'm free, Jesus. I don't need a seatbelt. That's for people who don't have faith. You're laughing. But we do it. And I'm not trying to remove or abdicate your responsibility this morning. Concern is healthy. Concern is key to your survival. Just like stress. If we're never stretched, then we'll never grow. There's a healthy level of stress. And Jesus, he doesn't want us to be crushed. But he doesn't want us to not care at all, right? That's right. If I never step beyond my current level of comfort, how will I ever move beyond my current level of capacity. i got to be stretched in order to grow. And Jesus, he says, don't do it. Don't worry. But he doesn't say don't do anything at all. So the question still remains, to worry or not to worry? That is the question. And Jesus, in classic Jesus style, in the next few verses, he gives us five questions. And we come looking at Jesus for answers Sometimes, and he turns around and he gives us more questions, but I believe it's so that we can come to the truth on our own, so that we can really grab it, divulge it, consume it, and become it. And he gives us these five questions. We're going to look at four of them and discover four truths about our God. Are we ready to go on the journey? I'm going to take another swig of water. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, 
what you will wear. Is not life, first question, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And with his first question, he gives us these two categories that we worry about, food and fashion. If anyone thought the Bible wasn't relevant today, they haven't read Matthew 6 verse 25, right? Food and fashion. It's all we do. I wake up, I eat, I get changed, I go to work, I eat, I come home from work, I get changed, I eat again, I get changed again, I go to bed. Some of you are confused thinking all I do is eat, 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 go to bed. (laughs) But we worry about this stuff. We go out and we say, where are we going to go? What are we going to wear? What am I going to eat? We get home, they ask us, where did you go? What did you wear? What did you eat? Oh, that's romantic. What did they wear? What did they eat? And I don't know what the people on the side of the hill as Jesus gave his famous sermon on the mount were going through that day, but I do know for them, food and fashion was a matter of life and death. And yet it's still applicable to us today. It just comes in our current context with a different application. Jesus is talking about what we want and what we need. And to both of them, guess what he says? Don't worry about either. Is your life not more than food and your body more than clothes? You have to know this morning that our life is a greater blessing than our livelihood. Our life is a greater blessing than our livelihood. It's a philosophical concept. The whole is better than the sum of its parts. If we spend our whole life worrying about staying alive, we'll be robbed of the joy of being alive. Everyone say, to worry or not to worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Question two, are you not much more valuable than they? Here's a question to think about. Are you valuable to God? Are you valuable to God? I wonder what your answer would be today. I don't know if the people on that hill were being told something they already knew or told something brand new, but you have to know this morning that you are valuable to God. You are loved. He cares about you. And I can say it all I want, but I wonder what would it look like if that truth came to life on the inside of you this morning? Because if you don't understand this, it's really hard to understand our God. Because so much of what he does doesn't make sense without this foundation. Why do good people have to get sick? Why are daughters born with brokenness in their body? Why did a sinner, why did a saviour come and die for a sinner? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish, 
but have eternal life. For God sent his son into this world, not to condemn the world, but to save it. Through him, we've got to stop walking around thinking God's going to pounce out and go, what are you doing? Sorry, camera guy. (laughs) We need to start looking around, seeing what God is doing, and asking, how can I be a part of that? Jesus is saying, do not worry. Your life is more than what you have and you want and you need. Don't worry. You're valuable to God. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Third question. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Remember, I'm not talking about healthy concern. I'm talking about toxic thinking. What if? What if? What if? It adds nothing to your life. In fact, I bet it's cost you something. I bet worries caused some fights. I bet worries caused you some, cost you some money. Cast your minds back, if you will, to the great toilet paper pandemic of 2020. I bet worry has cost you some money. It's not just not good for you. It's bad for you. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? That scripture has come to life for me in the last week. I've spent almost hour by hour declaring it over my life, and I think it's one of the most practical, powerful examples of speaking scripture over your life. We need to stop listening to ourselves and start speaking to ourselves. Jesus is saying, don't worry. Your life is more than what you want and need. Don't worry. You are valuable to God. And don't worry. It doesn't add anything to your life. And now, with the fourth question, he almost slaps us in the face. Verse 28, and why? Why do you worry about clothes? And all of our over 55 said, exactly. (laughs) When anyone quotes that to me, Dallas and Eddie, Matthew 6, 28. You can swap out clothes for just about anything that you worry about, though. I read an article from psychologytoday.com, which makes me an expert, by the way. And in it, it talks about six reasons that we worry, six whys behind we worry. And it was called something super encouraging, like worry makes you miserable. And I want to read those six out if they could pop up on the screen. The first of them is insecurity, that feeling of being unprotected. And then perfectionism, the need for control, social comparison. We talked about that last week. Pessimism, this feeling that everything's bad and it's not going to get better. And finally, stress. And I don't know what category you fall into this morning. I don't know which boxes you tick. But what I know is when you discover the who, you rediscover the why. 
a new why. And you can go with your worries. And you can probably identify one of those six things. But when you go to God, you discover a whole new list of whys. And why do you worry about clothes? Jesus says, See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of those. If that is how God clothes the grass of this field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, (laughs) will he not much more clothe you? Fifth question, you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear for the pagans, the people who don't know God, run after all of these things? And your heavenly Father, He knows that you need them. He cares about you. You are valuable to God. And so I guess the question kind of remains, if we aren't worrying, then what are we meant to do with all our spare time? And Jesus comes in verse 33. And he says, but seek first, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. And before you jump ahead and get all warm and fuzzy on the inside, I want you to notice the order. Because the order matters. What you'll discover is as you get your life in order, your priorities begin to get in order as well. It's not enough to seek God. You've got to seek God first. I'm not talking about performance. He already loves you. I'm just saying that the difference in your life comes when you begin to seek God first. What would that look like this week? Wake up each day seeking God, choosing to start your week right. Consider it Sunday, seeking God. Your year right, seeking God. Your marriage right, seeking God. The first of your income, seeking God. New business, seek God. Jesus is saying, don't worry. And he gives us all of these whys, but he gives us the replacement as well. He says, seek me. Seek God. But notice it's not just the order. It's also the object. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. One person said it this way. Heaven is our end and holiness is our way. Just means God's destination and God's way. He doesn't say, be. He says, seek. means you're not responsible for attaining. You're responsible for seeking. Instead of worrying, seek God. Life is more than what you want and need. You are valuable to our God. Why do you worry? It doesn't add anything to your life. Consider the who. The who who knows what you need. The who who cares about you. And he leaves us with this simple thought. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Carrie Boom quoted this saying, Worry is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. 
carrying two days at once. It's moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of sorrow. It empties today of strength. Now, I'm not calling you silly this morning. I'm not saying what you're going through isn't real. I'm not telling you to do anything that I'm not struggling with and battling with every day right now. I'm just telling you that there's another way. And in fact, it's not even just a better way. My dad didn't give his life to the Lord in a car at the front of a pub and transform his entire life to leave his successful business. I remember when he came into us and said, hey, we've got it really good for the first time as a family. It's not just apricot chicken every night and wheat bigs. But I feel as if God is calling me in this direction. And this direction doesn't come with all of that, but it comes with real love, true purpose and a life that can't be experienced anywhere else. He didn't do that for a better way. We don't stand up here and do church every Sunday for a better way. We don't gather together for a better way. We gather together for the way, the truth, and the life. And His name is Jesus. See, God, He sent His Son into this earth to die upon a cross, to take upon Himself our sin, our brokenness, our weakness, and to conquer death. Death didn't come with a diagnosis. Death was conquered on the cross. Death didn't come with a diagnosis. Death was conquered on the cross. And you can step into that victory this morning. For those of you who are Jesus followers this morning who have made that decision to invite Jesus into their life, the Bible says that it's just by believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth that He is Lord and we will be saved. And some of you, you need to do the old school repent. Come to God this morning and say, I'm choosing to seek you first this morning. Lord, forgive me for what I've done and the times that I've tried to take control. But for some of you this morning, you're going, wow, this is intense. It's my first time in church. It's because we care. It's because we truly believe that this is a matter of life and death. And the message that we're sending is not behave and be saved. It's believe and receive. One of my faith heroes is here this morning. And I spoke to him during the week and he said, we've got two options. We either stay in the faith zone or we don't. In the faith zone, we see a miracle or we learn to live above our circumstances. The opposite of that is sitting back and waiting. The opposite of that is meaningless, meaninglessness and emptiness. And this morning, you might not be able to identify with that feeling of worry, but maybe you came this morning seeking something meaningful. 
Maybe you can feel that emptiness on the inside of your heart. Maybe you've tried better way after better way after better way. I'm here to tell you this morning that there is a way. And his name is Jesus and he wants to meet you this morning. And so I'm going to ask if you could bow your heads this morning. I'm going to give an invitation to anyone who wants to invite Jesus into their life. Maybe it's for the first time or maybe, like I said, it's one of those people who just feel as though they need to come back. That they're out of touch with a relationship with God. We're going to pray a simple prayer together as a church and then we're going to celebrate together as well. Would you raise your hand right now? Be really bold and courageous so that I can see you as others' heads are bowed and so that we can pray together. If that's you online this morning, why don't you make that decision on the inside of your heart right now? Just raise it up real high so I can see. This isn't awkward for me. This is a moment between you and God. Let's pray together as a church, would you? Dear Jesus, come into my life. I declare you are my Savior and my King. Forgive me, God. Make me new. I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 